The Holy Gospel of St. John, chapter 19, verses 17 to 30. Carrying his own cross, he went out to what is called the place of the skull, which in Aramaic is called Golgotha. There they crucified him, along with two others, one on each side, and Jesus in the middle. Pilate also had a notice written and fastened on the cross. It read, Jesus the Nazarene, the King of the Jews. Many of the Jews read this notice because the place where Jesus was crucified was near the city, and it was written in Aramaic, Latin, and Greek. So the chief priests of the Jews said to Pilate, Do not write, the king of the Jews, but that this man said, I am the king of the Jews. Pilate answered, What I have written, I have written. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. They also took his tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, Let's not tear it. Instead, let's cast lots to see who gets it. This was so that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, They divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So the soldiers did these things. Jesus' mother, his mother's sister, Mary the wife of Clopas, and Mary Magdalene were standing near the cross. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time, this disciple took her into his own home. After this, knowing that everything had now been finished and to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I thirst. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they put a sponge soaked in sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, It is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. The Gospel of our Lord. Praise be to you, O Christ. Please be seated. In the name of the Father, and of the Son, and of the Holy Spirit, amen. It is basic human nature that as soon as we start a thing, we want to cross the finish line. When we are children, we want to be done growing up so we can drive a car, go to R-rated movies, and drink beer. When a young couple buys their first home, as soon as they sign on the dotted line, they want to make the last payment so they can burn their mortgage. The dad loads his family into the car to make drive to Disney World. In between threats to turn that car back around, all he wants is to be done with the journey and reach the Magic Kingdom. As soon as we start, we want to finish. It is also true that sometimes we want to be finished with something so badly that we fool ourselves into thinking we are done with it before we really are. A basketball team goes out and plays a, a magnificent first half. They have a giant halftime lead. They come out for the second half and play like the game is already over, and by the time it is, they lost. A student smiles as she looks up and down her midterm report card and sees all A's, so 
she kicks it into neutral and coasts for the rest of the semester, and by the time it's actually over, those amazing A's have disintegrated into D's. Now, it is finished is the most famous and important thing that our Savior Jesus said while he was on the cross. But was he really finished? And if he was, what exactly had he accomplished? It sure looked like on that Good Friday, Pontius Pilate was finished. It had not been a good day for the Roman government. Way too early, a mob formed outside the windows of his palace demanding an execution. But Pilate could not find anything wrong with the man that they were accusing, so he offered that crowd the opportunity to see an actual criminal get punished while this innocent man would be released. But then, charges of treason and the very real threat of a riot had Pilate caving into their demands because what would happen if Caesar found out and what would happen to Pilate's career if word of a riot got back to Rome? Pilate wanted to show that he was done, he was finished with this whole thing, so he took a bowl of water and tried to wash the blood of an innocent man off of his own hands. And then, to take a jab at Jesus' enemies who had demanded his crucifixion, Pilate posted a notice above Jesus' cross that Jesus' enemies did not appreciate. And when they complained to Pilate about what that notice said, then Pilate told them just how finished he was with this whole thing. What I have written, I have written. And by all appearances, the man hanging on the cross below that sign that Pilate had written, by all appearances, he was finished too because the bloodthirst of his enemies and the cowardice of Pilate had now left him hanging out to die. And his finish line was coming up fast. But Jesus Christ was not quite finished yet. He was not finished until he was finished fulfilling God's laws of perfect love and perfect submission right up to the end of his life. First, the law of love. It can be easy to forget sometimes that Jesus did have a family. He had a mother named Mary and a stepfather named Joseph and more than likely quite a few siblings. Jesus' mother Mary was highly favored. She had the privilege of carrying, delivering, and raising the Son of God. But the high privilege that Jesus' mother enjoyed would also include heartache. And as Jesus was hanging on the cross, suffering and dying, his mother Mary was there, and he could see the emotional and physical need that she would be in. When Jesus saw his mother and the disciple whom he loved standing nearby, he said to his mother, Woman, here is your son. Then he said to the disciple, Here is your mother. And from that time, this disciple took her into his own home. So in the middle of his own intense suffering, Jesus noticed and cared for his mother's physical and emotional well-being. That is amazing love that Jesus was showing for his mother Mary. 
but he was also showing love for you and me and every sinful person at exactly the same time. Right up to the very end of his life, Jesus was remaining our perfect substitute. Right up to the end, he was fulfilling God's law of perfect love in the place of us sinners who are often cold to the needs of each other. See, when Jesus made an earthly home for his mother Mary, he was making a heavenly home for us at the very same time. And we see Jesus' perfection play out at the very end of his life in another area too. We also see Jesus keep his heavenly Father's law of perfect submission. Even though the governing authorities were treating him cruelly and unjustly, Jesus did not rebel. When Pilate ordered him to be executed, Jesus marched. When they made him carry his own cross, he did so until his battered body no longer could. And when they increased his humiliation by stealing his clothing, even then, Jesus did not complain. He was not finished until he was finished fulfilling the Father's holy law in our place, the laws of love and submission. But even then, Jesus was still not quite finished. He was not finished until he had finished fulfilling every last prophecy about the Messiah, so that today, you and I can hold total confidence that Jesus is the promised Savior from our sins. Now the first prophecy he fulfilled was done to him by the soldiers who had crucified him. Now for these soldiers, Good Friday was not a special day. It was just another day at the office and they had been assigned to this execution squad in a far-flung province. They probably did not enjoy what they were doing or where they were doing it but they were not afraid to profit from their work either. When the soldiers crucified Jesus, they took his clothes and divided them into four parts, one part for each soldier. They also took his tunic, which was seamless, woven in one piece from top to bottom. So they said to one another, let's not tear it. Instead, let's, let's cast lots to see who gets it. Now what these soldiers did not realize was that this was the most significant bonus that they would ever take home from a day at work. Because this was so that the scripture might be fulfilled, which says, they divided my garments among them and cast lots for my clothing. So the soldiers did these things. See, these garments had been sung about for a thousand years. Every time Israelite worshipers sang the words of Psalm 22, they predicted what happened at Jesus' cross. And every single one of these messianic prophecies from the Old Testament that we see fulfilled increases our confidence that Jesus is that long-promised Savior. Now, the first prophecy was done to Jesus. The second was done by him. After this, knowing that everything had now been fulfilled, and to fulfill the scripture, Jesus said, I thirst. A jar of sour wine was sitting there. So they put a sponge soaked in sour wine on a hyssop branch and held it to his mouth. Now this terrible thirst that Jesus was experiencing 
was the combined result of everything that he had gone through on Good Friday. The bloodletting whips and the crown of thorns and the nails that were now driven through his hands and feet. All of this would combine to create an intense thirst. And when Jesus said, I thirst, it shows us that his pain was real. But it also shows us that he was keeping every prophecy about the Messiah right down to the tiniest detail. Because he knew the words of Psalm 69. They gave me vinegar for my thirst. See, Jesus was not finished until he was finished fulfilling every single one of those prophecies down to the minutest detail, from the toss of dice to vinegar on a sponge. He fulfilled those prophecies 100% so that today you and I can look back and have 0% doubt that he is the promised Savior for our sins. Jesus took that drink also because he had something important to say. And it is something that sinful people like you and me desperately need to hear. He wasn't finished until he was finished fulfilling the laws of love and submission, and he wasn't finished until he was finished fulfilling every prophecy, but then he was. When Jesus had received the sour wine, he said, it is finished. Then bowing his head, he gave up his spirit. Jesus' word, it is finished, is the final word on the fact of your forgiveness. And I call this a single word because in the Greek language that St. John used to write this gospel, it is only one word, to telestai. It is the same word that shopkeepers of Jesus' day wrote at the bottom of an invoice when the entire debt was paid in full and no balance whatsoever remained outstanding. And what a beautiful thought that is for sinners like you and me, because the debt that we owed to God because of our sin was unpayable. There wasn't a thing that we could give or say or do to ever pay for a single one of our sins, let alone an entire lifetime of them. But Jesus paid our debt in full. It is in a word finished. And all of Scripture revolves around and points to this word to tell us that. And while it can be risky to get into the nuances of Greek grammar in a sermon, there are a few times when it's worth it. And this is one of those times. That word that guarantees our forgiveness, to telestai, is in a tense, a verb tense, called the pluperfect. Hang in there with me. <laughs> the way the pluperfect tense works in Greek is that the action itself is complete. It has happened in the past and it is entirely done. However, the implications, the effect of that action propel forward indefinitely into the future. So what this word tells us is that Jesus' act of dying for our sins, the work of our salvation, is completed in the past, but the benefits of what Jesus did that day on Calvary fly all the way forward to you and me who sit here 2,000 years later. So, brothers and sisters in Christ, on this Good Friday, let there be no ifs, ands, or buts in your minds, 
in your hearts or in your lives. Simply be still and look to Jesus on the cross who has finished your salvation. It is always and forever accomplished through him. It is still for you today and it is finished. Amen.